We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at Kolchak the Night Stalker, the zombie... Brain. <laughs> With, without a single without a single mention of brains in the, in the episode. I, I want to talk about that, too. I, I do. Uh, Chicago is a notorious mob town run by hardened, murderous criminals. But someone has a vendetta against some of them and is killing them off. Carl Kulchek is given exclusive access on a police raid on a mafia burial ground. The raid is run by Captain Winwood of the police. He hates Kolchak. A gun battle ensues during the raid, but the mafia targets, the Russo brothers, suddenly stop shooting. They're dead, but the police will not let the press see them. Kolchak smells that there's a story there. His morgue attendant informant, Gordy the Ghoul, lets him in on a secret. The Russo brothers had their backs crushed and a third man was found dead in the barn. This third man was also found dead at the murder of Willie Pike several days earlier, and had already been buried. Pike was also a Mafia member, and had been killed by having his back crushed. Kolchak watches as the third man, now identified as Francois Edmund, a member of the Black Numbers Syndicate, is buried once again. Kolchak attempts to make contact with the Black Numbers Syndicate and eventually draws the attention of Sweet Stick, their boss, who warns Kolchak off and roughs him up a bit. They don't like Kolchak. Francois Edmonds is dead, and nosy reporters are not appreciated. Kolchak learns of a high-level powwow between Sweet Stick and Mr. Spazato, the head of the local mafia. He secretes himself near the meeting and records everything. Spazato's men are being killed, and the word is that Sweet Stick's people are killing them. Sweet Stick denies it, but the two do not trust each other, and tensions ratchet up. If there are any more killings, there will be a war. In the most incompetent act of reporting in human history, Kolchak gets caught by the Mafia. They don't like him to begin with, and they like him even less for spying on them. He bargains for his life by telling them who he thinks the killer is. Francois Edmonds, a member of the living dead, now working his way up the list of people responsible for his murder. Spazato and his right-hand man are both on the list. To prove his story, Kolchak is forced to dig up Edmonds' grave. Edmonds is not in it, but he arrives soon, killing Spazato's right-hand man. Kolchak is later found in the grave with the dead body and is arrested. Vincenzo, of course, bails out Kolchak, who is trying to warn him and Winwood that Edmonds is a zombie. Kolchak tracks down Edmund's mother, who is well hidden, because she's in the country illegally. She is not surprised when Kolchak arrives and even knows his name. She is a Mamalaos, a voodoo high priestess, but denies it. Nonetheless, she spooks Kolchak, and he leaves. Later he returns and secretly watches her cast a spell at a shrine. The shrine contains coffins for the remaining people on the list, Spazato and Captain Winwood. She adds a new coffin to the shrine. Kolchak's. Kolchak wins would know that he knows that he's a dirty cop and warns him that they need to find Edmonds when he is dormant and perform a ritual to permanently put him to rest. Winwood scoffs and threatens to shut down the INS if Kolchak doesn't stop his story. 
That night, Spazzato is killed, and Kolchak is there to see and follow the zombie back to his place of rest, a hearse in an auto graveyard. Kolchak must enter the hearse and pour salt in the zombie's mouth and sew it shut, but the zombie reanimates and pursues him. With luck, Kolchak immobilizes the zombie long enough to carry out the ceremony. Winwood is not convicted, but takes a leave of absence, and the Mamalois is departed the very next day. Edmunds is buried one more time, and Kolchak has no story to file. Well, it's the, f- it's the first time they broke the pattern. A little bit, kind of. Uh, a bit? Kind yeah, of? No? Yeah. Well... <laughs> I, I, it doesn't. It doesn't break it far. Uh, what, what, where's the, where are the changes here? I mean, we've got another ad, another single adversary who who has super strength and needs to be uh, stopped with some kind of ritual, which obviously Kolchak himself is going to go and do because much more important than reporting is going and, and murdering uh, these unknown. Uh, villains. Okay, well, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I, I, I just felt that, that. I mean, obviously, the Night Stalker and the Night Strangler are so, so alike as to be almost criminal. <laughs> and the Ripper yeah. was very, very similar in that it is still just, you know, a, a killer of. Yeah, yeah. But here we've got revenge. We've got. Um, yes, it has it, it has different victims. So we've we've shifted away from this slightly icky thing of it always going for prostitutes, prostitutes or and, yeah. Well, all right, yeah, I can see. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of similarities. Uh, supernatural creature kills. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. I'll take it. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm definitely starting to and and you know presumably this is a budgetary thing that uh, they. They have it set out that uh, in terms of supernatural villains, they are allowed maximum of one with minimum prosthetics. So they've got to they've got to somehow spin out the episode around one. So obviously you've got to be supernatural strength. So you can't, especially. My God, I would hate to be the recipient of the Chicago PD's ammunition bill. Oh yeah, that gunfight was quite the. <laughs> that was crazy. They always expend boxes and boxes and boxes of the stuff on the, the you know the particular antagonist of the week. Uh, obviously, to no effect whatsoever. They, they are, and, I, and I include dramatic effect in that. I, I are, I am, I are, <laughs> I am in agreement that even for American television, the gunfights that they have in these shows are terrible and over the top. <laughs> they they don't even seem to have um, even the remotest idea of not having one guy shooting a gun in front of not in front of another guy shooting a gun. You know there is there is just the the the, the directing of it and the cinematography of it is just terrible. Yeah, but if you looked at it, yeah. you'd be like you'd be shooting your other cops in the back of the head. And well, best case scenario, even if no one else gets killed by the bullets, none of them are going to have any hearing left. Yes, yes. So uh, they are, and I, I'm not. In the 1970s, there were lots of police detective cop shows, lots of them. I mean, that's that was the, quite unlike now. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I don't watch TV now. <laughs> but, you know, there was there was a period of time there where. 
at least in the United States, we, we go through phases. Like there was the Western phase and, and there was the um, – and those had a lot of shootouts. Um, but they're usually kind of, I don't know, hiding behind wagons and stuff. But, you know, in that area, era, we had you know, Cannon and Barnaby Jones and the FBI and, and, and Kojak and, and all these shows that were a lot of cop shows. And I don't remember there being – I mean, I remember there being – obviously gun battles but but never anything like this because i think i think it's because the hero carried a gun and so it was really sort of him taking on somebody maybe in a running battle maybe in a chase or maybe being chased but here we have to show the invulnerability of the bad guy and so they're just flinging bullets at him they're flinging cops at him flinging bullets at him uh, to to show that at least you know at least in the um, previous shows, N- not saying we didn't have a lot of gunfire in this one, but you know we didn't have a whole yeah. lot of scenes where they were trying to pump the zombie full of bullets in this one compared to uh, compared to some of the earlier ones. But the scene where they were shooting at the Russo brothers, which was just supposed to be a normal yeah normal police raid, was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's what particularly seemed to to me to underline the fact that, that they just had this attitude to expending ammunition that was uh, pretty pretty cavalier, to say the least. I, I don't even know what the Russo brothers were hoping to accomplish. They're they're fenced up in a barn, two guys with two guns, and forty cops. Yeah, highly armed. For, cops 40, that, forty of the most trigger happy cops in. Uh, yeah, in existence, and they go, yeah, let's try to shoot our way out. <laughs> Neither of those approaches really seem to make much sense, but yeah, um, it was. <laughs> I I kind of I kind of like the good old days when you could just fire bullets all over the place and you didn't have to worry about. <laughs> or when they just shoot them up in the air and. You know, it's, yay, happy gunfire and stuff. It's like, now you can't do that. Police are always telling people not to fire guns in the air here. Because the bullets have to come down, apparently. And and that causes problems. So, <laughs> Damn physics. I tell you. <laughs> you, just, you thought you were shooting them up there until they got into space. No, it didn't work that way. But uh, anyway. Um, all right. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I just... I. There is, there's obviously going to be a certain amount of uh, similarity, and I think this is one of the things that, and I think this is one of the lessons that they learned in the X Files. You know, I, I, I really do think that we can we can look at this show and say this is a sort of a a lesson for Chris Carter on yes, yes. what not or what didn't work. I mean, I understand why they do it the way they do it in Coljack, but you can kind of see why that needs to be broken up in, in with with like a twist or with different approach to it or it, it, it's just a little too on the nose in the old style I wouldn't say in the old style horror genre but in a way you know the, the, these creatures kind of owe their yeah. existence to the 1930s horror films and it's not about subtlety and it's not about uh, plausibility. 
<laughs> and it's not about well, sustainability either. You know, you write a movie and you finish it at the end and you're done and you don't have to worry about it again. But here in a TV series, they've kind of, you know, he's got to go on next week and, and do it again. Um, but I, y- I yeah, yes, but, 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 but equally, I mean, the, the fact that it owes, it, it, it owes something to those things suggests that we should have had probably at least a small horde of brain-eating zombies. I mean, if you are going to put the thing in the title, then isn't there some sort of obligation to deliver on that? And I, I, I've got to admit, I'm, I'm no zombie expert. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen any George Romero films. I have seen Charlie Brooker's Dead Set, but um, mm-hmm. but so, but I, I I did not expect all the voodoo stuff and the 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 kind of killing it with a tequila slammer. Okay, this is this is interesting now. Um, so sometime, I don't know, maybe probably in the seventies, I, I used to have a book. And I've come to think of it, I probably still have the book. I wish I could find it, but it's all piled in the rubble here from still trying to get my uh, my library office put back together. It's all boxed up somewhere. Uh, uh, great, great monsters of the movies. I think was the title of the book, and it was it was a, a film critic looking at the classic monster movies up to whenever the book was written, which was probably sometime in the 1970s. And, you know, we would have a section on the, the vampire films and a section on, on uh, Frankenstein-type monsters and werewolves and, and, and the like. And the section on the zombies was, I always, I remember it more than, and I don't like zombie films. I, I, I have never enjoyed zombie films. I don't like the George Romero zombie films. I don't. I didn't really care for any of the older zombie films. But the I true, thought Dead Set was quite good. But uh, you know, I've got it somewhere, and I have not. I've not that, watched that, it. That, that, that may be more comedy, to do with right? the. It's, uh, yes, it's, it's a black it's, comedy. It's a, yeah, it's a comedy and a and a critique of reality TV. So, um. well, but the the critique of the zombie films was that they just never really took off. They, they they were never particularly popular. And the oldest known zombie film is White Zombie 1932, Bella Lugosi. And that's what zombies were. They were voodoo-cursed creatures. They were brought... They were either reanimated corpses brought back by voodoo black magic to do the bidding of someone. They were soulless, okay. uh, helpless slaves. Zombie... Zombie legends are, in fact, a, a kind of a... Uh, I can't think of the word. They are a representation in fiction of slavery, of, of the black people. Zombies uh-huh. are a black thing. And the Haitian, Caribbean, the, the people working on the plantations, as working till they drop. Zombie is the kind of personification of that in horror uh, genre, and then the other alternative was that they were because there are people who claim that this can be done. They were people who were given some sort of a potion that dulled the will and gave the appearance of death. So they would they would appear to die, and then they would could be manipulated and used again as slaves to carry out some sort of nefarious purpose. It wasn't until the nineteen sixty eight George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, that zombies really became cadaverous, brain-eating, body, you know, corpses as some sort of a viral thing. So that's yeah, really yeah. where that came out of it. So this this is really harking back to the, 
to the old style zombie. And I kind of appreciate it. I, I, it the, the, the film critique is that one of the reasons that they never, from that book, was that one of the reasons they never caught on is that nobody really wants to see monsters who are just doing a hard day's work. You know, it, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a dull scenario. It's like it's just you know, go kill him, and then they go off and kill somebody, and uh, uh, there, there's really nothing to to root for. There's no oh yeah, all zombies or zombies, zombies. All zombies are rather dull by almost by definition yes and it's not till you get to romero where you just have hordes of them. i mean they're slow they're they're easily destroyed as long as yeah. they don't catch you from behind but it's their numbers and their yes. relentlessness yeah. that gets yeah. you um so you know here we see somebody who has taken taken the zombie lore and turned it into something else um so both of which are you know prior to this show it's just interesting that they've gone with the uh what was probably still the prevalent interpretation of zombies yeah at that time and uh it's funny you you, i mean you never see them but again it could just be because where's the fun in that where's the terror i mean it's all right it's scary if somebody you know who's dead comes back to life and wants to hurt you but it it just doesn't really and i mean for crying out loud, uh, what is it? The Walking Dead? I mean, how many years has that show been running? I, I just, I don't like them. I don't like zombies. I don't like <laughs> either kind of zombies. I never have. I just don't get the, I don't understand why we are inundated with zombie apocalypse films and lore. And it, it as a genre, it doesn't appeal to me. I don't like the post-apocalyptic kind of world that most of those things are set in. Um, oh, I'm not sure anyone, not sure anyone likes the post-apocalyptic world. It's not okay. Well, meant I, to be like right. You're not supposed to like it, but why do people like watching it? I mean, that's what I don't. Well, like. that, why that, do people like watching Big Brother or I superhero don't movies? Right. I, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, what you mean, the return of Doctor Mysterio, superhero stuff? Uh, looking good. <laughs> um, this, this podcast will air so much after the Doctor Who Christmas special, it's not even funny. But, oh, but no. For you people who are listening to this now, we're recording this on like the day they announced that, or the day after they announced the name of the Doctor Who Christmas special for 2016. Last year, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> wibbly, wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Yeah, way, way back there, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. I, I mean... Okay. That, that 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 is interesting, and it, it it's an interesting alternative take on it. And I can see that whilst you know, whilst they've got uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, as a as a recent movie, they've got Live and Let Die as an even more perhaps even more recent influence. So the kind of uh, voodoo thing right. is in. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting that it's a black thing because, uh, so you know, here we here we do get some actual black characters in the show, but they do all turn out to be either, you know, n- n- the numbers syndicate or Haitian Ill- illegal Haitian immigrant voodooist people. It's not a flattering portrayal. Well, it, it it's more that 
this 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 shows that you know it's making me more and more uncomfortable in the sense in in terms of the diversity because we don't i mean it's not actually as if there are any particularly nice characters at all but the people we're supposed to be rooting for are kolchak and to a degree vincenzo i think um you know white guys we've we've had we've had various female characters um in not not particularly uh important or positive roles yeah reduced it at, at this point to the, you know this woman whose only significance uh, and even then only to vincenzo is because of who her uncle is mm-hmm. who you know the the Police call her a stupid female. Kolchak yeah. has, yeah. So and and I, I'm struggling to think of any black character who's been in any kind of important or positive role in it so far. No, um, I think I would safely say that is uh, a, a strong leftover from the 1970s or before. Um, <sighs> Lost. But how come? How come? I mean, the seventies were after the sixties. What did time go backwards on TV here? Yeah, kind yeah. of. Kind of. Um, that this is this is a real this is a real problem. Um, we we could make an argument that Seattle is a or was. So going back to the Las Vegas now and Las Vegas in the nineteen sixties and seventies was a lot whiter place. Mm-hmm. than it is now and seattle certainly was and now chicago however was not you you would be you would probably be surprised at how different the racial mix is between the eastern half of the united states and the western half of the united states um it, it there's a, a lot more black people in the eastern yeah, part yeah. of the u.s so Seattle, Las Vegas, I can see. Chicago, though, no excuse. No excuse, except that in the 1970s, the good guys were white on TV, and a lot of the black characters were either crime, usually drugs, uh, or poor victimized families. Yeah. Or usually, usually it would be a mom. Actually, wow, the stereotype holds out right here completely. Usually it'd be like maybe a single mom. Dad's probably dead or run off. And she's got a teenage son and he's running with the wrong crowd. Which is kind of exactly what we have here. Yes. Her son's yeah, running with a number gang. Yeah. It, it is, it's just turning that a little bit on its ear by making mom the uh, voodoo priestess. Um but yeah, it, it's an it's an ugly relic. It's an ugly relic, and it you know it undeniably tainted the opinions of people watching TV and growing up. TV is an incredibly powerful medium for for bad in the world. I'm not picking on Kolchak just exclusively here, but I'm. It, it has done so much to warp the perception of people in this world to what they wanted to show us that was safe for the advertisers. Hmm. You know? And, of course, you didn't necessarily have that uh, with the BBC because no advertisers, so you can you can play that uh, differently. Although, you know, the BBC has taken its fair share of criticism over the years for non-diversity uh, in, its, oh, yeah. in its casting. Um, but, yeah, TV was predominantly white, and then you would have some shows 
that would be kind of predominantly about a black family. And then they wouldn't necessarily, you know, they wouldn't be criminals in that, in those kind of cases, they would be families and, and have their own normal problems trying to, to do a bit of diversity. But yeah, they, they didn't mix a whole lot in the early mid seventies, um, which is a shame. And okay. To be fair, the Italians in this are all mobsters. Too. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's it's a not subtle. Broad, it's, it's a pretty broad uh, thing here. Um, and I don't know whether you had to be Italian to be in the mob or not. I mean, th- that's possible. I don't know enough, of, well, truly enough. Of, I mean, when you call them the mafia, sure, you think that. But I mean, I, you know, there are families and blood ties and yeah, and and I and I and I think I think there is a genuine ethnic thing within organised crime. So it's it's not necessarily wrong to reflect that. The I, I guess I guess the problem is not. It, I I I think it, it, it's not necessarily the fact that you have. Haitians involved in voodoo as part of the plot. The problem is that the only black characters in it are there because it is a voodoo plot, not you know, not just because you might have a black journalist or a black police officer or whatever. And uh, equally, uh, you know, with the with the Italian characters, they're they're there because they are they're 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 part of the 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 chicago mafia albeit the somewhat uh comic i mean it it is very it's, it's very unsophisticated to portrayal and it you can't help and maybe it is because we're kind of saturated in these things but you see a scene like that in the car park and you think well first of all why on earth would they choose a place like that for the meeting i mean clearly the writers have gone oh that's a good place for the meeting because we can have kolchak hiding between a behind a car and close enough to put his tape recorder on them fantastic his own car i think <laughs> but why would they why would they meet down there and in particular you you have the, the thing after the standoff where they you know they they had they they have their little speeches and then they all turn around they turn their backs on the italians mm-hmm. i mean there's honor among honor among thieves you know, uh, it's neutral territory we're not going to kill each other here I, I think that's trust but verify would be. I think <laughs> I, 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 I can see that the the main guy might turn his back, but you'd expect the other two to just keep an eye, keep looking forward until yeah, he's in the car. Yeah, I can see it. I think there's a stereotype uh, there uh, of when two crime syndicates come together and meet at some location that they have this code of honor amongst them that they're not going to do something yeah to each which other. which so. is which is why they don't kill each other mm-hmm. but you know you that's the reason for having the meeting right yes it's 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 the it's the sense that there is there's a a mutual interest in being able to communicate and there is that kind of ability to parlay but that doesn't necessarily mean you turn your back Okay, well, we might as well. We're we're talking about these parts. So I, I I've got a couple of questions. Um, what is the actual per- now? We're, just, we're on it. What is the purpose of having this sort of gang war thing going on? I I, I don't. You mean quite the- get it? It doesn't really lead anywhere. They don't have a gang. You mean war. in terms of the story? Yes. Well, so they can use up some more ammunition. 
Uh, because they never really got into a shooting war between the, the, the Black Numbers Syndicate and the Mafia. No, but isn't 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 the point to motivate the the revenge storyline? But is the revenge storyline isn't really the black numbers? It's the the mom, anyway. Yes, but it's so it's it, really- it is it it is. But but why was the guy killed in the first place? It was part of this. Yeah, he's part know, of friction the, friction that was going on. So. Yeah, well, yeah, it just it kind of between that and. The the subplot where we discover that Captain Winwood is a dirty cop. I don't get that at all. I don't either. I don't get that at all. Be- be- because uh, Kolchak's like, your name is written on a coffin. You must be a bad cop. Because why else would your name be written in your coffin? And Winwood quite uh, reasonably says, well, your name's on a coffin. And Kolchak's all, well, I've been investigating the crime and they don't like that. And he's talking to the captain of the police. Uh-huh. Like, he's not going to be investigating it and that they're not going to mind a police officer sniffing round. Mm-hmm. No, of course, the, the, the only implication has to be that he must be involved in the crime. And it doesn't do anything. Winwood's not involved in the finale in any way. And he's right. just basically written out with a sentence that says, well, there was nothing to convict him on, but he was given a permanent leave of absence or something like that. It's like, very strange. Very strange. And the character of Monique. I yeah. I thought that they were going to have to go somewhere with that. Kind of, you know, kind of sadly like they did with... Uh, with um, uh, well, I can't think of her name from the last. Yeah, but the, ni- the, the nice, the nice, nice female reporter reporter who ended up being killed by the Ripper. I kind of figured that Monique was uh, on for the chop in the yeah. course of the this, this story, and in fact, you know, she gets let's call it three right. scenes. One yeah. where she gets is incredibly stupid. I mean, she is she is not portrayed in a flattering way. She is uh, no obnoxious and. Uh, does she's, she's yeah clumsy too, and incompetent too dumb to live doing what she was doing in that gun battle um man can't fault her bravery but oh <laughs> uh, but you know to just cold check then grab her and throw her in the trunk of the car <sighs> or then later yeah. she sees a dead body and she go, freaks out so he sticks her in a cab and sends her to new york which is a long drive from chicago um so uh, I I don't I don't get it unless it's just it's either there to kill time, which it's and just it, it's, and it may be it, both. It's well, kill or, time, but comedy, just, isn't it? Yeah, to show what kind of a personality Kolchak has, and it you know does it's not flattering. Well, it's that, and also just you know we need we need a a, a comic character. Let's have a woman. Women are funny. Yeah, well, you know, and. You'll recall last week he had uh, Ron uptight uh, in the office. Yeah. Not there, but there's a line there at at the very beginning of the episode. I don't know if you caught it. I got in before the other idiots arrived at the office. Uh, Always the best way to describe your coworkers. Yeah. (sighs) It's Kolchak's amazing people skills in evidence once again. But how about this? There's evidence in this. We saw it once, we one little bit in The Ripper, but there's evidence in this that Kolchak actually does other work. Yes. Because he's pissed off everybody with his articles. And he's, he's the, the black numbers guys, the mafia, the cops. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's pissed them all off with his stories. So he is – they're trying to portray him as a, dare I use the word, competent journalist. <laughs> and when that, well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't think, I don't think you dare use the word competent on the evidence could, of, of what, we, what we see in this because <laughs> – I mean, obviously, the the way in which the way in which he he treats the police captain is just again pointlessly uh, yes. abrasive. So he's just he's basically insulting him for the sake of insulting him rather than treating him as a potential source. Then, when the the uh, numbers operators turn up, he turns out to be, uh, you know, just a a, a, a quivering coward. Mm-hmm. You've got the guy. Oh no, that's my brother Marshall, or that's my brother Sydney, or all that kind of stuff. Which presumably, again, is supposed to be comical, and we're meant to laugh at it. Ha ha. And then, you know, even if you didn't have all of that, to describe Kolchak as competent in an episode in which he covertly records yeah. two armed gangs, and then yeah. <laughs> And then his tape recorder starts making squizzly rewinding noises. Just, mm. oh, yeah, God. I mean, I, I could not, the guy's an idiot. I could not understand, I mean, apart from the director making you do it, I could not understand why you wouldn't just let the recorder keep recording until yeah. they've left. Yeah, or, or be so goddamn skilled with using it that you knew that you could absolutely do it in complete silence but yeah why not leave it running and those you know those old style tape recorders those buttons make noise i mean even if he'd done it right stopping that would have gone yeah quite loudly in that garage well you have to you have to put your finger on the play button Mm -hmm. so that when you release it with the stop you just you don't it doesn't spring up you yeah no that was I, I, i wouldn't do that with them standing Six feet away or whatever. Nope, nope, nope. I just let that go and and wait for them to be long gone before I even moved. Yep, that is. And and, it, it and, is, and if I you agree. did, you 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 just kind of keep crouching there, kind of stabbing the buttons with your finger, or if yes. you twig, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna get heard, and you might want to move from there. Uh huh. Yeah. I. I yeah. Yeah, it it was terrible. It was there was there's no excuse for that. It was it was terrible. <laughs> like a- but I'm 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 just not uh, I'm not really sure what we're supposed to make of Kolchak. Is are we watching this because Kolchak is a guy who kind of is a is a jobbing reporter who stumbles across these somewhat interesting cases and is sufficiently open-minded to to kind of go to the legends and fit those around the facts uh, rather than the, the you know the kind of more conventional notions of, of what the crimes might be mm-hmm. or are we supposed to be watching it because he is he he has a fine investigative mind and it's a pleasure to kind of to, to watch him at work and the story is going to surprise us, and it's all going to be one step ahead. It's like he's no Columbo, you know. It, yeah, Columbo is a is a great example. But but you know, it's an episode of Doctor Who or whatever, where the Doctor is always resolving the situation because he's so smart, and it 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 kind of it it elevates all of the all of the players in the story 
because he the he 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 can come out on top even even though his opponent might be formidable and clever and you know mm. really quite a, quite a kind of opponent but he's he's better whereas i'm i'm not necessarily getting the the feeling that that's Kolchak. it's not like yeah i i mean i i think that they're supposed to be setting us up to think that he's a good reporter i mean they keep telling us he's a good reporter but you're right. We're not seeing that he's a good reporter. What we are seeing is that he is at least taking the data that he's receiving and is not so blinded, which is what we're seeing from everyone else, particularly the police, as to put two and two together and say, well, if you keep finding this corpse at the crime scenes, you know, how, what's how is the corpse getting there? Maybe it's a zombie. I mean, he's... You know, if somebody's drinking yeah. the blood from their throats with fang wounds, maybe he's a vampire. So is he open-minded or is he just – because, you know, the from a skeptic's point of view, obviously these things don't exist or we think they don't exist because of lack of evidence for them existing. Uh, but a lot of people do believe in it, but that's because their minds are so open that their brains can fall out. <laughs> and, you know, Kolchak is, is – is it, that his problem? Is that he's just so open-minded about it? Because he's not—he doesn't seem to be an open-minded kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> he's not the enlightened, open, open-minded individual you'd expect. He's—he's he's no, he's—he's—he's he's, he's got some weird ideas, and I think again, you know, it, it's one of those areas where you can see this is where the X Files got it right. So, in you know, in the character of, of Fox Mulder, the. You know what? What you have there is someone who is a, a you know brilliant profiler, but who also has this kind of side interest in these very very off the wall kind of things. And everyone everyone looks at him and thinks he's a nut job. And you don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously, within the fictional world, it turns out, yeah, this is this is the explanation. He does hit upon the explanations, but you don't quite know whether he hits upon the explanations because he is he's the one who is open-minded enough to to get these things because scully's the one following the evidence mm-hmm. or whether he's just you know he he's basically lucky because he's steeped in these myths and these legends and because of that he, he you know he's able to recognize them when they come along i'll 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 go here and say because we are i'm watching through the x-files with my daughter um Slowly but surely, we're getting through them. So I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a rewatch right at the moment. And there are, I don't know if it's a storytelling device. There are times when the conclusions that Mulder comes to, we haven't, we haven't seen in the story. So in other words, they have not provided the audience with the material, or they have not shown Mulder the material that we've seen as the audience. So that when he makes this sort of, well, you know, I think that it's... And you go, why does he think that? Yes, you exactly. Know, and, and I'd like to think, you know, at times, if he's talking about a serial killer and he says that, I go, you know, he's the brilliant profiler. 
He's looked at stuff I don't even understand. He's smarter than I am in that area, and he's made that, you know, the guy is going to be, uh, probably wears his underwear two sizes too short because of a mommy issue or something like that. That's something I expect him to have. I'm not sh- quite sure I get that every time when it's some sort of supernatural thing that he leaps to. And, but you're right, it's still better than... It's still better than what. Well, no, I, th- I, 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 I like it because well, because I think they they clearly set out what's going on. It's this, it's this, it's encapsulated in this "I want to believe" poster. Because given yeah, two is explanations, he lucky or is, Mulder he, is, is he right? Because oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, well, I mean, well, I think I think that pretty much remains. I think that remains an open an open question. Um, but I think the difference is there that. Mulder isn't an idiot and so even if even if his kind of enthusiasm for the supernatural leads him off down a particular path each time and you know by by rights that should probably have got him killed a number of times or whatever because mm-hmm. he you know he's 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 chasing his interests rather than chasing chasing the facts he's still you know he's still he's still switched on enough um, that he's actually he's actually thinking and it, and he's a, and he's a good investigator he's a good investigator and therefore when his opponents are you know quite quite formidable opponents and he apart from anything else he's he's kind of coming up against the the kind of uh, military and secret establishment of of uh, American government then you know he's at, he's at least got, mm-hmm. got a fighting chance of 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 living to the end of the day on his wits and and if and, and, few... and and you know the because because they're they're not idiots and they're you know it, there's always going to be a twist ahead and but he's going to be one step ahead or whatever whereas the reason that Kolchak seems to make it to the end of the day is either because his opponent is just a lumbering zombie or whatever or something equally unthreatening or just a big old dollop of luck because he's an idiot <laughs> there and i i think that you know it's less true well i don't even, i'm not even going to try to make a sentence out of that the opponents that Mulder comes up against are in fewer times are they monsters unthinking monsters even hmm. even you know, fluke ban aside, but there's more to them than that. They are not as on the nose as the things that Kolchak has been up against. Oh, it's a vampire? Yep, that's a vampire. Show him crosses, stake him through the heart, right? When Mulder came yeah. up against vampires, it was not quite like that, but close. They were, you know, they could be burned by the sun, but... And... I think that helps because you aren't slave to the legend, what everybody expects, um, and it gives you room for some twisting. But it also gives yeah. the characters that he's against are frequently more sentient, and that gives him a better chance of uh, uh, outmaneuvering them with his intelligence. Well, no, I mean, well, it, well, it, get, it, it means there's a there's a call for his intelligence, but he. He has a, he has a less he would have a less chance of outmaneuvering them if he were Kolchak, because he wouldn't he wouldn't be 
he wouldn't have the skills. He wouldn't he wouldn't be able to react in the way that Mulder can react, for example. Was, was there? I mean, the other the the other thing with the X Files, obviously, is the 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 Scully side of it, and the fact that whilst you do have this this kind of slightly kooky individual who is going to pursue the outlandish theory over the obvious one every time she's there looking at the evidence so you you do have that you know it means to some extent she's got his back um and kolchak doesn't doesn't have that either so you know there's not there's not someone else forcing him to justify his theories so that they're not just basically you know rehashing rehashing the legends or whatever that he's not having to think about the implications of what he's saying and and work out how it would actually apply in reality and and all those kind of interesting things because anyone who actually does challenge him to do those things he ends up shouting at them and they end up shouting at him yes he does yes 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 i think also kolchak fills a sort of um stereotype or archetype or whatever of the independent newsman Hmm. they don't have they don't have pals they're seekers of the truth and not particularly nice humans and uh i I can buy that they're not i can buy that they're not particularly nice and when i say pal i don't mean actual genuine friend but they have Sources, you know, they have contacts. They have people who will give them stuff because even it might be in their own interest to give them stuff. But it's a relationship. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. It, 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 if you're a crime reporter, as Colchak nominally seems to be, he he cultivates police sources so that if anything interesting comes up, they go, "Oh, I'll give this to to Kolchak last time." Uh, I gave something to Kolchak and he did this for me or whatever. Yeah. Rather than, I'm definitely not giving this to Kolchak because he's just going to shout and insult me. Yeah, and and of course, uh, the only thing he's got close to a quote-unquote partner is Vincenzo. And that relationship is not... It's Functional. Not that, yeah. It's it's definitely also antagonistic. Although it's... Uh, they're obviously friends, but what weird friends. Reason. Yeah. But we're friends. Um, just call up here on my back. Uh, there is a zombie episode of the X Files too, although I don't recognize it. It's the crossover episode with Millennium. Oh, okay. Fourth episode, seventh season. Um, uh, don't have a good recollection of it. I don't either, and I'm you know vaguely have it in front of me here on Wikipedia, and even that um, isn't ringing any bells. So um, I have to probably sit down and go over it at great length but i mean yes they've they've done it but it's obviously there is some backstory here about how uh they wanted to use the idea of zombies because you know they go through the list and say well what can we do to what creatures can we bring in with a new twist and apparently they were they were uh contemplating making a x-files remake of night of the living dead but um that i got a cut off probably because it's a really bad idea so or maybe the legal department said no you know i think i think night of the living dead is actually in the public domain because they forgot to uh they forgot to copyright it 
Think, I think I read that somewhere. Cool. That that's actually a... It's an thing you could forget. <laughs> it is. A, well, <laughs> George Romero, it's kind of an interesting character. Um, no, I mean, I, I didn't mean, think... I didn't think you needed to remember. Um, there was... It can lapse after if you don't refile. And that's what happened. So, I think. Pretty sure it's Night of the Living Dead. It's one of those George Romero films that's not that old, but it's now... Oops. You can go after it. But anyway, I, I just want to point out here, if you did not recognize him, Gordy the Ghoul, uh, John Fadler, I believe is his name. Uh, oh, in, oh, oh, Airplane. He's been in lots of things. He, he, he I don't think it's Airplane, but he's the voice of no. Piglet from all the old Piglet. Disney Disney Winnie the Pooh films. Oh. Which okay. obviously oh, were before your time. Seen them. So... <laughs> He oh he he was in everything back in those days, but it I, it just always cracks me up. He's got such a little kind of a little squeaky voice, and uh, yeah, they used to he used to do animation characters, and that was probably his his most famous is uh, is Piglet. Um, but he was also Jack the Ripper in the Star Trek episode. So um, the actual Jack the Ripper, I might say, who was an immortal killer who kept killing throughout time. I thought that Kolchak had electrocuted him. I, I thought so too, but apparently he escaped oh. off to other planets and kept going. So, uh, gosh, now I'm... There I'm, you go. Now that couldn't possibly be a Richard Mathis. I'm, I'm pretty sure I read a Doctor Who novel that had Jack the Ripper in it too, so... Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's been kind of popular. Um, he's, he's made his mark. Um, and, oh, and speaking of subplots that make no sense, The Gravedigger and all his complaints about the unions. Yeah. Now, it's another it's another it's a it's a comedy it's a comedy everything in this is is serving a, an attempt at comedy so yeah i've made a note funerary workers association ha ha because <laughs> i found that one hilarious the problem is they they do these things and they in order to to serve that that kind of well we need to lighten it up kind of agenda but it undermines everything else it, it you know the 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 fact that he calls uh, Spazzato Spinoza mm-hmm. oh, must yeah. be a, must be an attempt at, at comical effect. But again, it makes Kolchak look like an incompetent idiot. Because if you're a reporter, yeah, surely one of the first basic skills is the ability to remember accurately things like names and facts, and you know to be able to use them in that way. So, you know, f- from from that point of view, it makes him look just like an idiot. And then from a comic point of view, it's not funny. It's not, none of it's funny. So why are you doing it? <laughs> what, um, all right, let's look to the end. Kolchak has got his, oh, so in, in the previous stories, we've kind of had Kolchak be tipped off to the the nature of the thing. Oh, a girlfriend says, hey, maybe he's a vampire. Here's some books. Or, uh, uh, yeah. Somebody says, "Oh, uh, maybe he's an alchemist." Here, talk to this woman. In this one, we don't get that. I, I never, I never figured out at what point that he figured out that Francois Edmonds was a zombie. I mean, a a zombie zombie. Good point. Later, later, he says, "I've been doing some research, and we need to get some salt and needles and stuff like that." But somewhere along the line, he's just, you know, he just jumps to it that it is Francois Edmonds that's doing the killing. And that point comes before he gets captured by the mafia because that's how he bargains 
bargains for his life. He says, no, it's Francois Edmonds. He keeps coming back from the grave. And I f- they could have spent a little time there instead of with the Monique subplot or with the funerary workers or anything like that. Um, but, yep. 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 he sees the zombie. He sees the zombie kid on a bus. <laughs> Which, well, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, in, in all previous cases, the zombie apparently just falls over dead and then the county buries him again. But in this case, the zombie goes off somewhere <clears throat> and uh, hops on a bus. Now, I was okay with that. I, I was I was okay with that when we could not see the zombie sitting there on the back of the bus. And Kolchak can just see the back of his head when he jumps on the back bumper of the bus and he's traveling along with it. But when we actually see the zombie coming at Kolchak later on, nobody would have let him get on the bus without yes. screaming in terror, right? I mean, he, he, was, he was in pretty bad shape with his body yes. sewn up from the autopsies and the flesh rotting and the... Uh, I wouldn't say it's great makeup, but it was it was not. You, you you'd look twice if you saw that guy get on your bus, maybe even five or six times before they got on the bus. <laughs> but but there's a whole bunch of people on that bus, and he went all the way to the back <laughs> and just sat there, um, which I hope I guess is not. Chicago a, people are pretty broad-minded. I hope that wasn't. Uh, I hope that wasn't some sort of a, a a dig at black people with making him ride in the back of the bus. Um, but, um, okay. The whole episode builds to the scene when he's in the, the auto graveyard. Once again, just like when he was in Jack the Ripper's apartment, chasing him down yourself and, and, you know, is, is foolhardy at the very least, but they do such a good job to me anyway, of making those scenes creepy. That is that automobile graveyard and the and the the filming at that point and the way they've keyed up the music and uh, yeah. it is genuinely it's like wow okay now i'm actually watching a, a horror film up to this point no you're not really as you say there's comic relief there's supposedly comic relief um, there's <laughs> a lot of shouting there's some you know investigative reporting there's some thugs but then when you get to that point then we have hit they're doing an actual horror horror story, and and I tell you, the Night Stalker used to scare me as a kid. It would it it some of them really would get to me. I still go back and watch it, but yeah. they were um, at, at that at that point in the show. Like when he's crawling in there in the hearse with that zombie, I could not do that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that is, and, and I, again, give, I give props to Darren McGavin, that one piece of acting there where he's crawling in there, his face is showing all of that. Yeah. Like that is, you know, his choice of white clothes does not seem like a particularly good choice because I'd be soiling them if I was (laughs) doing that. That, and, And then when the zombie's eyes open up and you're lying on top of it that is that that was excellent except they kind of they kind of ruined it by showing the mama loss doing 
the incantation. I, you know what I mean? So you know it's going to happen. And I'm not sure which yeah, would be, like, I'm not sure which is better, you know, to, uh, to the MacGuffin popping up out of nowhere. You know, but we have Alfred Hitchcock with the... I think, I think you know it's going to happen anyway. Yes, exactly. But, but I think Alfred Hitchcock described it once that if you, if you have a, a family sitting at a table and it explodes, you know, that's one way to tell a story. Uh, and if you then have a family sitting at a table and you cut to the bottom of the table and you see a bomb ticking down and then you cut back to the family and you get the bomb, then you're building suspense. And if you have a family sitting at a table and you cut to the bomb ticking thing and then you cut to a guy at a payphone desperately trying to call them and then cut to the, the phone line to their house, which has been cut off and, you know, the phone's not ringing – there are things you can do to build up the suspense to that point when the bomb goes off that makes it better and better and better. And of course, Hitchcock was a master at that. Hmm. I'm not sure that that did what I needed it to do here for this. I don't think it was building up the suspense when they cut to her. I think it took away from it in this case because it was already suspenseful enough with him crawling across the rotting corpse to sew up its mouth, which is also just a horrific an act you know if, yeah, if yeah. i could if i could crawl across the corpse in the back of a hearse in a darkened thing that you know can come alive and kill you at any moment and then have to sew its mouth up that is just oh <laughs> <laughs> that, that that i glad we didn't see him start sewing you know that oh. that that would probably would have been he did put the needle through his lip did he I think Did so. I, yeah, through his lower lip. I thought he just was. Maybe I might, Maybe I just anticipated it. But um, <clears throat> so yeah, it, the payoff at the end. I liked it. I, I kind of. I actually kind of enjoy this story. I, I have to say, this episode. Um, I I can't tell you why. Um, like I say, it. I felt it. Me broke. neither. <laughs> I felt it broke the mold a little bit from the last few. I, I mean, I know that there are episodes of the Night Stalker that are coming up that are not, you know, just the specific monster. And I also know that there's episodes that are, you know, two on the nose, two on the nose. Yeah. If you if you have a zombie, it's a zombie, and it's exactly the zombie, and it has to follow out the same tropes that a zombie film would follow out. And if it's a vampire, it has to follow out traps. And if it was a a werewolf, you'd have to shoot it with a silver bullet. You know that you you have to follow the universal monster formula from 1930s, and um, interestingly enough, these are put out by Universal Studios. I don't know if they were made by them in the first place or whether they've just acquired the rights over the years for DVD distribution. But when I am watching it, I'm going, huh, Universal Studios. I wonder. I wonder if they're trading on that um, their legacy of horror from the old days, but. Anyhow. I'm going to say just one thing. Uh, you know, I was fishing for something to something that I liked. Uh, the music is great. Oh, Gilmore. The music is really great. Yeah, I I hadn't heard of him. I had to look him up. Um, but I yeah, I was I was definitely enjoying that. I do really like. I I I was as you recall, as you may recall, I had seen the series before I saw the movies. I was very disappointed with the movies, with the music. 
is it's done by somebody completely yeah. different. Yeah. And yeah. you know that his the Kolchak whistling thing at the beginning and the and the that music, I love that theme. That is just and then, you know, that guy he really does have a creepy vibe for the music on it. I, I do really enjoy Gil Malay's uh music for the series. Um and and should have mentioned it last time. I'd meant to mention it last time, but uh well, I didn't register it last time. I, 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 for for one reason or another, it didn't stick in my mind. But but watching this episode, I, I you know I found my mind wandering wandering <laughs> off to the soundtrack, and uh, and you know the more I listened to it, the more I appreciated it. It's it's very good. I wish they'd release it. Mm, I yeah. wish they'd release the soundtrack. Um, I think there's like you can get the opening track on iTunes from a guy who uh, recreates themes that haven't yeah, been released. Yeah, so someone who's reorchestrated it. What's that? But I would, I would like, I, I, if, they, if they exist, then the actual soundtrack recording, yeah. to, you know, just to this episode, would, would I, you know, I'd, I'd listen to it on its own. I think it's, uh, yeah. I think there's some great cues in there. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've uh, cut everything I had in my notes. I, I yeah. You know, there's there's remembering things fondly from your childhood, and uh, <laughs> and then there's critically anal- analyzing them, and and sometimes that doesn't go so well. Um, I yeah yeah, it it really is a masterclass in in what not to do to create the X Files or what to avoid in, and yet I I know that Darren McGavin was uh, very invested in the show and. Yeah. He uh, had some serious creative differences with the writers. He felt that they were turning out trite episodes. And, I'll argue with him there. And ultimately, that's why he broke his contract and left the show. And, and said, so, yeah. "You know, this is it, it, we're not we're not doing this anymore. This is." But he was really, really gung ho for this project when it started out. So uh, you know, it, it's it's not. It's not for want of the the star wanting this to go. It's just uh, you know maybe maybe this step had to happen so that someone could look at it and say, yeah, maybe maybe not quite like this. What 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 went wrong? <laughs> but anyway, well, thank you for joining me on this. A uh, pleasure as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time. On Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. The, uh, gotta bring my notes back up here. Hold on. I should make a note here to say I'm going to cut this part out where I'm talking about bringing my notes back up. <laughs>